has sent us this apology. I think it will be attending the a meeting of the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence. And in terms of a rule 159 of the NA rules, if the chairperson is absent, then the committee has to elect one of its members as an acting chairperson. So I am going to open the floor for nomination for an acting chairperson. Can I have hands? Thank you very much, Chairperson uh, of the session for now. Uh, I propose the name of Honorable Janji. Uh, do we have a seconder for Honorable Janji? Honorable Okay. Uh, do we have another nomination? Any further nomination? I see that Honorable uh, Masako Jale and Mula have raised their, their hands. Do you want to say something? No, so not. Uh, no, I just no, wanted no, no, to no, tell. Okay, no, it, it seems like we don't have any further nomination. I think somebody's mic is on there. Uh, in the absence of any further nomination, then may I call upon Mr. Janji to chair the meeting? Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Bonani, Ramano, and good morning to all members and everybody has joined the meeting. And thank you to members uh, to have us having the meeting going in the absence of the chairperson. So yes, I accept uh, uh, chairing the meeting as a, as a permanent chair. Thank you very much. I'm going to take it. <laughs> um, I think let's go straight to it, colleagues. Acting. Uh, Acting. <laughs> thank you very much, Honorable Horn. <laughs> um, no, thank you very much, members. Um, I want us to go straight uh, to it, and uh, I don't see the Deputy Minister. Perhaps the DG can lead his team and so that we are able to receive the presentation. We're supposed to receive a presentation on the implementation uh, of the sexual uh, criminal uh, and sexual offences uh, Act. DG? Is the DG in the meeting? Uh, good, good morning, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, good morning. Uh,
Hello. Chairperson, good morning, Malema. I've raised my hand. Come again. Malema, I've raised my hand from justice. I'm not sure if you can see the raised hand. Yes. Uh, I, I wanted to respond to the chairperson to the issue at DG. I'm acting DDG Court Services. May I may I proceed? Go ahead. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, the DG has asked uh, to be apologized. He was hoping to join us uh, from Menko. Uh, so he just asked me to uh, stand in on his uh, behalf for the moment until he joins us. Uh, but we are ready to proceed with uh, Advocate uh, Praise Kambule uh, doing the presentation on on behalf of the department. Chair. Just, just, just before you proceed, what do you Chair. mean? Just before you proceed, what do you mean by Menko? Is Menko his management team? <laughs> Yes, he, he, he had issues that he was cleaning up soon. Let me just in, indicate then we, we don't have a deputy minister here and uh, in the absence of that, the DG is supposed to be here. He cannot prioritize his management meeting uh, above this meeting of the portfolio committee. It's even worse in the absence of the minister or deputy minister. Chairperson? Yes, uh, Bonan. Yes, uh, I see uh, Mr. Doc Mashavani on the platform. Oh, yes, okay. he just joined us. Yes. Yes. Good morning. No, I've been I've been here even when the nomination for the chair was happening. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, thank you, Gigi. Yeah. Good. Good morning, Chair. I just wanted to place it on record that I was here even when the nomination was open. But there's a system problem here. We keep on being cut off. And uh, certainly, I wouldn't have uh, absented myself um, when a report of this nature is being presented. Uh, Chair and honorable members, uh, we are here, and me as the chair of the intersectoral committee, uh, made up of various government departments, will not want to take much time. I'll ask uh, Advocate Kambule to present the report uh, prepared by the department and the other departments that we work with. Advocate Kambule, can you please uh, take the portfolio committee through the report? Thank you. Thank you, Chair, and uh, thank you, DG. I would like then to get the assistance for the, the presentation to be flighted because what has just happened is that that soon before the session started, I got kicked out of the meeting and I've been trying and trying to get through. And right now I'm holding my cell phone um, to get um, to be able then to be connected. So I'm still trying then to get my connection back. Bonan, are, are you able to immediately fly to this? Because we, we don't have uh, time to, to waste uh, in this meeting. And, and I hope Gambola will indicate how much time she will need to do this because 
the document has been sent to us. Are you able to fly it? Yes, Chair. I'm, I'm going to do that just now. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. So the presentation um, is, is about um, the performance that has been done by the different reporting stakeholders, as you will see them in the first slide. So we'll be covering all the areas of reporting. But we have changed this little bit at this time so as to align our reporting with the with the GBVF and National Strategic Plan. And it is our intention, Chair, that um, we will um, we will come to Parliament then to present the amended a national a national policy framework on the management of the sexual offences matters, which we have been waiting then for the promulgation of the Criminal Law Related Matters Amendment Act and Amendment Act, and now it has been promulgated. So we'll be dealing with all those issues that are there. So, of course, all the reports that um, that Parliament has received have been approved by the DGs and the heads of the institutions. And these are also the reports that were adopted by the DGs Intersectoral Committee before then um, they were tabled in Parliament. And the departments that have made the reports are those that are on the screen. But I would like also just to mention that in terms of the Act, DBE, uh, DHET and Legal Aid South Africa, as well as the Department of Traditional Affairs, are not required by the Act to provide um, to provide the reports. But at the request of the DG's intersectoral committee, they are they are providing their reports. You can take me to the next slide. The next slide then shows us the different pieces of legislation that um, that that are relevant. Um, to um, to 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 putting down the incidence of sexual violence in our country, and also then the different uh, obligations that the, that South Africa has signed. If you can take me to the next slide, we have seen um, recently, starting from 2018, you know, the rise in the political will in matters that related to 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 to. Uh, to, to gender-based violence and femicide. Of course, right now we have the Presidential Summit Declaration against GBVF, which I may say, Chairperson, it is the first in Africa, South Africa, to have, uh, it is the first in Africa for our country to come up with a declaration against the GBVF. It shows then the seriousness that we have as a country in bringing down the incidence of GBVF in our country. So, Shortly after then the signature of the presidential summit declaration by the president, then the cabinet then set up the interministerial uh, committee on GBVF, which has been tasked then to give 
political oversight in the implementation of the National Strategic Plan on GBVF. So, Chairperson, now the National Strategic Plan, it is actually what I can say now, it is the Bible for all of us as the stakeholders ensure that we implement it. And it got all those six pillars. So in this presentation, I have tried then to align it with the six pillars, moving slightly away from the from the key reporting areas that have been set by the National Policy Framework on the Management of the Sexual Offences Matters, which is that policy that I said that we will be bringing it then for, for, for the committee. We will amend it. We are in the process as the draft has already been done, we will be bringing it uh, to, to Parliament then for approval. Thank you. Can take me to the next slide. We cannot uh, move with this presentation without um, making an indication of the Parliament's uh, commendable pace that they have taken in ensuring that then the three GBV bills that were introduced by the minister in, in, in August 2020 are prioritized. And this is one of the matters that I think that it left a soothing effect on the women of South Africa who marched on the streets um, in 2018. And we have them now, um, by now, there are already laws in our country. And of course, then there's also the regulations relating to the sexual offenses courts, which is one of the issues that women were crying for to say that they wanted the sexual offenses courts to be to be a statutory offenses that is to be, I mean to be statutory sexual offenses courts that is to be recognized by a piece of legislation. And this was also done, and the minister then released the regulations relating to the sexual offenses courts and was and this document was approved in February 2020 if you can take me to the next slide we do have chair collaborations then to implement the legislation. The Directors General Intersectoral Committee on the Management of the Sexual Offenses Matters is, is the committee that is established by the Act in terms of Section 62. And of course, then it has the National Technical Intersectoral Committee on the Management of the Sexual Offenses Matters, which I chair. And the DG's Intersectoral Committee, it is chaired by our DG. And, and, and if you go down, then we have the national footprint then of the committees that are responsible for the implementation of of this of this act and the chairpersons of the of the of the provincial technical committees are also the members of the national technical intersectoral committee so that they are there then to represent the issues and the challenges that each and every province is experiencing in terms of the implementation of this legislation if you can take me to the next slide but I may also just add the chairperson to say that as soon as we have um, the, um, the, 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 um, uh, the, the National Council on Gender-Based Violence, maybe this picture will slightly change. If you can, okay, go on the next slide. Thank you. Now, um, how, big, how big was the problem during the first COVID financial year? This was one of 
the periods that I think the global, the entire global experience, the pain and the loss of people. And I might also say that a chairperson, that even myself, I lost my mother during this period. So it is a period then that made then the labor force to do its work with brokenness and, and uh, because of the losses that we experience, not only in, in our family situations, but also at the workplace, going to work and finding an empty chair. So this then, all the outputs that we are going to be delivering. I would like then the chairperson just to note that the performance was done at the time that was actually an unfortunate for the entire globe. If you can take me to the next slide. Now, um, if I may start then with the GBV command centers, they, exper they experience a hype in the number of the calls that they receive, as we'll see from the slide, that it was an increase by 65.2 of the calls that they receive. And with the SMSs, it's a message shoot up to 88.2. But then they also reported that some of these calls were calls that were received from people who were experiencing the anxiety that um, of the losses, the job losses, and, and seeking advice then from the Department of Social development and then but then we see a different a different scenario with the designated health facilities that are established by the act in terms of section 29 and that requires then the minister of health to designate health healthcare facilities for the purposes of um, of collecting of providing the pep services to the victims of sex crimes and also um, uh, conducting the compulsory um, uh, the compulsory HIV test um, of the sex offenders, and also and also conducting the, the 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 HIV test for the victims who have been exposed then uh, to, to 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 sexual violence. So, but then there was a decline of seventeen percent during this time, and 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 we anticipated that it might have been caused by the anxiety that was there, people not wanting to get close to hospitals for the fear of contracting. Uh, um, um, uh, COVID-19 and also for the regulations that were there, that were then pushing people away not to come closer to the, to the hospitals. If you can take me to the next slide. Yeah, just as you go to the next slide, uh, it's not meant to pressurize you, but I just going to request that um, our interest will be on implementation. It's, uh, it's, it's fine to emphasize and reflect on other matters. At the end of the day, we there's something we want out of this presentation. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. Now, when it comes to our courts, um, we have you see there that we had um, an unprecedented um, uh, rise in the number of registered sex crimes, and we we experienced an increase by 78% as compared with the previous financial year. And, um, and if you can see then that, um, that also with the registered new rape crimes, so the reason that I'm, I'm, I'm extrapolating the rape 
offenses, it is because we have learned, Chairperson, that out of the family of the sexual offenses that we have in the country that are also prescribed by this act, rape is one of the offenses that always takes tops. And, and, and it's quite a concerning matter because, because rape is, is the most serious sexual offense. So we experience a rise by 76.3 and also of the statutory rape going up by 2.775, which is actually, if you round it, it's 2.8. This is a serious concern because this is the time then that um, um, there, there was a lot of restrictions on movement because of the COVID regulations. And the, you, we had an increase of visibility of parents at homes. So one is concerned as to how then um, the, the statutory rape could go up, could go up in the presence of parents, of parents who were many of them working from home. Then from this one can um, deduce a confirmation that um, sexual offenses in South Africa are more rife in domestic relationship. So people in South Africa, women and girls and boys in South Africa are, ra are not mostly raped by strangers, by the people that they know. So it's a matter then that uh, the committee needs to note. And we, we experience then, um, and also a rise then in the rape charges that uh, rape charges against child sex offenders. We have been seeing this trend now going up of the number of the sex of the of the child sex offenders rising, and it is also a concern that even during this time that we we experience an increase by twenty two percent of children who have committed not any kind of sexual offenses because of this we extrapolated only the rape charges they committed rape charges. Um, rape offenses. So, and, and 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 the youngest of them, it was ten years, and then we had then the oldest at sixteen. So, it's a matter then that is that is quite concerning because what it means is that for us here in South Africa to be able to put an end to GBVF, the focus needs to be in the family. The poison is in the family. We need to rehabilitate our families and ensure that then there's a resuscitation of the values of, 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 um, of respect for, for the girl child and for, for the female population. Now, if you look then in terms of the performance, there was a decline in performance as reported by the NPA that then uh, the cases that were finalized where they dropped from 5,000.4, that is from the previous financial year to 3,349. And this then can be explained because of the of the stop and goes that we were experiencing at our courts, they were shut down because of the of the COVID nineteen detections and also the losses that we experienced of the employees who succumbed to to COVID nineteen. Then the top three with highest number of rape cases, not sexual offences, is Bloemfontein, Weinberg here in 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 Houghton, which is Alexandra, and also Carl. The other thing that's why I am still on this slide, then 
SAPS then came up with their with their statistics that showed a decline in sexual offences of reported sex crimes of 3.9. But this, when you are looking at it, then is that um, the reason that we can come up with for them to experience then the decline and for the courts to experience an increase of 78% of the cases that have been registered. It might be that with SAPS cases are reported, with us then we are registering those cases. It might be the indication that then because of the restricted movement of people, then SAPS was able then to get the, sus the suspects and the rate of apprehension was quite high. Hence, it was the, the, the number of registered sex crimes also shoot up. If you can take me to the next slide. This slide then shows us then the top courts, the top 10 courts with the highest number of new rape um, uh, cases. And uh, you will see that there's Bloemfontein and um, the Alexandra coming and Paul and a number, of, um, a number of courts. And I would like just to say to Chairperson that the reason for us and to, to collect the statistics and just to, 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 to take out then the top 10, it is because we wanted to identify the areas where then they have a problem of sexual violence so that then we are able to shift our resources to the to where they are needed. So we come up with interventions, and these are the interventions that are managed by the National Technical Intersectoral Committee that I am chairing. So for Bloemfontein, we have already started to work then with the provincial and um, a forum of, 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 of free state then to identify what is it that is making them to have uh, this increase. So as you are seeing there that the number of sexual offences courts, that is the mass of courts have been increased there to three. And it's a matter that we're looking at even with Alexander that they reported that they have an incident of the SOS that was not functioning, which is the matter that I will be, I will be touching on um, in this presentation. So this is what then all these tap tap top 10 courts are then uh, considered by the uh, by the national intersectoral committee in terms of their performance and then we also make the chairpersons to come back and report it to us as to what they have done in terms of reducing the incident of sexual violence at those courts if you can take me to the next slide These are the sentencing patterns um, in the TCCs and the national conviction rate as reported by the NPA. If you see that even during this difficult period, um, NPA was able then um, to achieve a life imprisonment sentences, 141. But this is the statistics of the cases that are attached to the TCCs. So what it means is that, is that the life imprisonment sentences might be even more than 141. And we are seeing there that they also receive um, a number of victims who attended the TCCs during this time. It was 29,593. And um, then uh, the TCCs conviction rate had a slight decline by 73.9. But then the national conviction rate then shoot up to 75.8. 
Now, coming to legal aid, legal aid also registered um, a decline in the number of sexual offences. It was by 1.5. If you can take it to the next slide. Chairperson, it was a time here where we experienced an accumulation of of cases for various reasons that were related, of course, to the, uh, the courts not functioning at different times and intervals of the national lockdowns. So we accumulated um, a, a backlog of 31.5 in the district court. That is, um, this is where it is standing by June 2021. So this is the recent. And then with the backlog cases, then uh, in regional courts, then it increased to 74.9. But yesterday, I would like just to mention that yesterday I received then another statistics that was showing that as at 31 January 22, the regional courts, then the, the backlog um, redu was reduced, um, it has been reduced to 60.6, which is actually, if you round it off, is 61%. So the national average backlog, then it still stands at 44. But I think that with this decrease, it might also have gone down. Now, um, the Minister of uh, Justice then established uh, the Court Optim Optimization Committee. Uh, it was during this period with all the JCPS um, uh, cluster stakeholders, including the judiciary, for the purposes then of, of, of coming with with ways of bringing down the backlogs that were actually shooting up. So from this committee, there are outcomes that were achieved. First, the, the, the action plans were developed by the different stakeholders working together. And from these action plans, then a decision was made that the case backlog framework be developed. And, and, the, and the Department of Justice took up that responsibility. So the draft framework Framework for the management of the backlog and priority criminal cases in regional and district court has been developed. And of course, we still have the backlog courts that are providing support. And we'll also then put an emphasis on the judiciary now to begin to, to increase their performance in, the, in compliance with the directive for the performance of judicial functions that was published by the Chief Justice in, uh, on the 28th of February 2014, which actually then places a, a, a minimum standards of performance and 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 and, and the turnaround time for for the for the for the life cycle of a case that it limits it to nine months that a case must not be in a role for not more than nine months and also it also stipulates that the courts must sit for a for a minimum of or for for a minimum of four four point five hours a day, if you can take me to the next slide. Now, because we, we, we know, Chairperson, that um, sexual violence occurs mostly in domestic relationships. So as a department, during this time, we started, in, and it was in November, we started then and introduced the 100 Days Rapid Result Initiative, and we decided that we will we'll be able then to kill two birds with one stone if we focus it on domestic violence so that we're able to catch uh, the incidence of sexual abuse in domestic relationships. So at the beginning, then 
we, we, we piloted it in 14 courts, but as we were moving on, then the other courts had to move out because of the, um, the time that they lost because of the, the stop and goes that we're experiencing with the COVID-19 detections that would lead then to the shutdown of the courses. We took them out. So by the time that we were finalizing the project, only the eight district courts were able to reach the final line. So from these courts then, they, we succeeded then to finalize 2,704 DV matters within 100 days. And this project is a project that involves all the stakeholders and the purpose of it is to say that let's do the impossible. Let's see how we can do what we have been thinking that is impossible. So it's a project that removes the waste from all the service points to ensure that there's a seamless referral system and the support services are intact so as to encourage the retention of the victims in the system. So we experienced the 98 success rate from the eight courts that were participating and that then made them the department then to establish the minimum performance uh, the, the performance minimum standard of 90 days for the cases of domestic violence that they must be finalized within 90 days and we also then um, amended the, the integrated case management system so as to so as to accommodate this this minimum standard so in 2020 also, then the two deputy ministers, uh, that is one of justice and police, then they initiated a collaboration between the NPA and SAPS, SAPS uh, Forensic Science Lab. And this was to address the challenges of the, the delayed release of the, of the DNA reports by, by FSL. So that task team was established between the NPA soccer unit as well as with the SAPS FSL. And if you look at the next column, then it is the performance that they have achieved. And this is something that is quite groundbreaking in terms of the number of reports that have been released then by these six labs working then with the NPA. They achieved 6,799 um, reports and they also then 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 I had just to take them just to show that now they are also increasing the level of finalization between during the period 17 to 23rd of January, a 1,774 reports were finalized. But then we still have then the 1,377 cases that they are still dealing with. And from this exercise, something powerful came out of it, which is quite commendable. 314 potential serious rapists were identified. So what it means is that now the, 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 the cold cases that have been there for a number of years now will be able to be resuscitated through this intervention. And chairperson, there's another thing that we did during the COVID year. We also learned that that the, our regional courts then were flooded with the applications um, for divorce that were coming from different families. So we decided then that we needed then to introduce the 100 days rapid result initiative working with the judiciary. And we piloted this project in Limpopo at 14 pilot courts, 14 regional courts there. So there were 
able within 100 days to finalize 824 divorce backlog cases. And now we took the project, gave it to the to the regional court president and requested them that they that they roll it out to the different um, to the different provinces. If you can take me to the next slide. Chairperson, Article 13 of the GBV Presidential Summit Declaration uh, says that all services offered to survivors of gender-based violence must be free from secondary victimization. So this is one area then that says it to us that it actually says that the victim of sexual violence, when they come to the court system, it doesn't matter. When they come to the criminal justice system, they've got special needs. So because they have special needs, then they will require special services. And those services then will require special skills for them to be delivered appropriately. So this is one then of the interventions that we came up with so as to ensure that then we are reducing the incidence of secondary victimization from the service points. If you can take me to the next slide. So yeah, just before you get to the next slide, just to indicate that you are now at slide number 16 and you have 10 minutes left, 16 of 38 slides. So you'll have to find a way how you'll deal with everything else in that 10 minutes. So we got the, the infrastructure that is that is offering the victim support services. As you will see the victim-friendly rooms, the subs was able then to increase by six during this time. The shelters also was increased by six, which is an intervention that was done by DS. DSD, so as to bring, because there was a need for shelters, so they did that work, which was quite commendable because it was not easy to get resources during this time. And because of the fact that in many places, then businesses were, were shut, were shut down. So also then we saw the DOJ also increase the number of the marks of sexual offenses caught by eight. If you can take me to the next slide. The next slide, a chairperson. It is just to show that, um, as the as the, as the as the chair would know, that uh, we have section fifty five capital A that got promulgated um, um, by parliament by by. Uh, it got promulgated in February 2020. So this is the provision then that seeks to establish then the statutory sexual offences court. But what I can say here quickly is to say that the department has been experiencing challenges in terms of implementing this provision because it is a provision that says that the minister, subsection one, subsection B, the minister must designate now and bring it to the level of the regional division, must designate the magistrate court as defined in section, section one of the Superior Courts Act. And the magistrate court then um, in section two of subsection one, subsection B, then it says that then the minister may create a regional division. And from that regional division, there must be a court that is established for each regional division. And the, the regional court then has one or more places of sitting. So what it means is that in the country then, 
We have one regional division per province, so meaning that there are nine in the country. We have we have nine regional courts because there's one regional court established for each regional division that brings us to nine regional courts. And then section 55, the capital A, then says that it is that regional court in terms of the regional division that must be designated. And then, so what it means is that then that regional court has got then the places of sitting that are attached to it. So the sexual offences courts then are expected to be established at the places at the designated regional courts. So if you can take me to the next slide so that you can see what the problem is. So the next slide then is talking about the consultation. So it says in this provision that the minister, when, when exercising his power to designate, he must do so in consultation with the chief justice and also after consultation with the NDPP. And it states very clearly, it says that if a court for the regional division is to be designated, the chief justice then must consult the judge president and the magistrate who is then, whom we call the regional court president. So it, it creates then the levels of consultation. The minister is consulting the chief justice and the chief justice in turn has to consult then the, 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 the judge president and also the regional court president and thereafter then sends the letter of concurrence to the minister. If you can take me to the next slide. What we have experienced now is that um, the letters, the minister sent then the first letter to the chief justice, the acting chief justice, it was in September, and it was followed then by the two reminders that is on the 28th and also in January. We have not yet received the letter of the letter of concurrence. And we 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 don't really know. Is it because of the fact that the chief justice has it's long process of consultation. So now as a department, we, 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 we will be approaching um, the parliament, uh, the committee um, for, for the possible amendment of this provision. So as to see as to how is it that we can do to make it more practicable because as, not, as it is now, we have not as we have not established the section 55 capital A sexual offenses courts. You can take me to the next slide. The next slide is talking then to the support services that are offered by DSD working with social with, with the civil society organization. We cannot exclude them from the process that is the civil society because they do provide excellent work. If you can take me to the next slide. And this is the slide then for the sexual the regulations that were also presented before this committee uh, for the for the sexual offences. Because they provide then that um, the basket of support services before testimony, during testimony, after testimony, and they also now incorporate support services that are for persons with mental disabilities, as you will see them there. If you can take me to the next slide. And this slide then it is showing then the commitment of the department to ensure that we establish a disability centric court system. We develop the national strategy on the universal access for persons with disability. And then we establish also the minimum standards. And thus far, we have upgraded 66 of the 75 targeted courts. And this is the basket. Um, of the support services that we are 
we are we are saying each and every court that is aligned to the minimum standard should be providing and we also we also provided then the training then uh, using the handling's guide for access to justice for the our frontline officials so that they are able then to detect and to be able to respond to each and every type of disability if you can take me to the next slide now in terms of the resources the resources then we have, um, there was a decline. We have noted a, a decline in terms of the resources. As you will see it in the in this slide, then the court intermediaries are going down by 29. And um, and also then, uh, but then if you look at other departments, there has been an increase. The FCS officials going up a little, doctors also up, and also the nurses are going up. If you can take me to the next slide. And of course, it is during this time that we had then the appointments of 166 magistrates and this then increased increased um, the gender parity because now with the female magistrate, we have um, actually moved to 51.6. If you can take me to the next slide, which is something that we women in South Africa are appreciating. Now, in training, this is the training that has been provided um, by the different stakeholders during this time, which is, was not quite easy. If you can take me to the next slide. Now, coming to prevention. Prevention is just one area then that we need to roll up our sleeves so as to ensure that then we stop it before it happens. So, but we saw during the COVID season at uh, the DCS coming in and providing a number of interventions. They have a pre-release settlement that they have established, and this is an intervention that will be helping them um, to implement the, the, the criminal and related matters amendment, which requires then the full participation of the victims during the parole board. So they've already started something that is for that 1,765 victims participated in that. And they also then took their offenders to the non-therapeutic program for sexual offenses. NRSO, then there was a decline in terms of the of the clearance certificates that we had because because chairperson, it is not the NRSO that goes to people, it's people who apply. And during this time, as we know that the labor sector was largely non-operational. So that is the reason for the decline in the number. So, but then something powerful that we also experienced, DCS submitted 15,988 historic convictions so as to ensure that then they don't leave their, their centers without having been registered in the register. If you can take me to the next slide. The next slide then is about then the interventions that have been done by the department in terms of um, increasing prevention in the sexual orientation and gender identity. So we, we received 37 new cases, but, but what has been done is that the national intervention strategy now has been aligned with the GBVF NSP. If you can take me to the next slide. The next slide then is a depiction 
of all the public education that has been done through various platforms of, of media. So, but we saw legal aid coming with so with commendable um, uh, output, 696 community outreach that they did on constitutional rights and obligations. And also traditional, Department of Traditional Affairs coming up with three events. If you can take me to the next slide. Now, Chairperson, we cannot stop GBVF if we do not put our focus on economic empowerment of women. So this is a pillar that the Department of Women is responsible for. And this is the performance that they have done here. They established the GBVF response funds, and they also then developed, they are in the process of putting together um, 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 the training program that will be empowering women so that they are able then to stand on their ground and not to be dependent on their partners who are abusing them. If you can take me to the next slide. Now, this article, Article 5, is about the amendment of the of the legislation, which is also one of the performance of the of this committee. When this committee was passing the three bills, it was actually contributing in the implementation of the presidential summit declaration. So this is the number of bills then. And that were put together, DSD coming and having, presenting then the victim support services bill that was approved by cabinet and also amending their older persons and uh, um, Older Persons Act, and we also see here that then um, the Cyber Crimes Act becoming operational, of course, beyond this reporting period, but I felt that I need to include it here. So it's a number of pieces of legislation that and bills that got amended, and I mean, acts that got amended, and also new bills that were also, that were also developed, and also DTA coming with the customary initiation bill. If you can take me to the next slide. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Kambule. Thank you. Don't need to go to the next slide. Your time has expired. Um, thank you very much. I, I did uh, walk with you. Uh, honorable members, I want to come to you. You have received uh, this uh, presentation and gone through it, and uh, Ms. Kambule also even though she did not finish, has just taken us through the presentation. Uh, I want to invite you to engage with this. Honorable Nola, Honorable Velma Nivot, Honorable Yako, Honorable Swart, Honorable Horn. In that order. And the last one, Honorable Jelly. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, let us welcome the, the presentation from the department. Uh, there is only one issue from my side. Uh, they are saying the actual plan is that uh, GBV cases must not stay in the role for more than nine months. But uh, at the beginning of this uh, year, when conducting oversight, we have actually found out that there are sexual offenses caught where the recording machines are not working. Of course, resulting to 
postponement of matters, which actually defeats the purpose of having matters complete within a space of nine months. But it doesn't look like uh, there is a concrete report on what then becomes the turnaround time to ensure that the, the, these MRT machines are properly working so that justice can be delayed for victims of GBV and sexual offences. Then what then becomes the turnaround time for those machines to be back on working? The second thing is, what was presented as a reasoning behind the machines not working was that the person contracted for the machines, blah, 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 their contract expired. The question now should be, why did the department await the contract to, to expire before it contracts another person or before it extends that particular contract. Why was the contract allowed to expire such that there is a gap between the expire of the contract and the new person contracted? Because this thing is having a very negative effect in the dispensation of justice. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, thank you, Honorable Ngola. Honorable Nivo Drachen, I have noted your hand as well, Honorable Breitenbach, you in the list. Um, thank you very much, Chairperson, and good morning to everybody. I have a number of questions, so if you could just bear with me. Um, I will start on slide seven in the presentation. Slide seven says collaboration to implement the act. And then there are three uh, bullets or three sections. And then it starts with the internal stakeholder um, committee and the national stakeholder committee and then the nine provinces. So in the report, it says that that first um, collaboration with the DGs for the financial year, it's under discussion. So 2020, 2021. So the DGs did not meet. And I'd like to know why that meeting was not held, like not even on Zoom, not even a, 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 um, a Zoom meeting, because this is a very critical, critical matter. Um, and it's very concerning that the people in charge did not bother to meet. Um, and then when we go to the nine provinces on the same slide, can we get the report of what the nine provinces discussed? Uh, the challenges that they face, the different challenges they face in their in their areas. Um, yeah, can we get that report? And then slide twelve. Slide twelve. I see it says under TCCs it says conviction rate. For 2020-2021. It's minus 73%. So minus 73. So why was it a minus? Why is it a negative number? I would like to understand that. I would assume that it would be a positive number. And then 
I also would like to know, in terms of webinars, uh, the department and the deputy minister knows that there are a lot of webinars that happen. Um, are people with disabilities included in those webinars? Uh, do they have access to those webinars? If you could respond to that, please. And um, I am a bit concerned when I read about the, the designation, the designation matter. I am quite concerned about that um, because you said in Section 55, capital A, uh, you require amendments to fast-track that process. Um, we have just worked on the three gender-based violence bills. And if I remember correctly, there was no mention of this aspect of the difficulties in Section 55. And now you're going to bring this for amendment. Um, I'd like to understand why this wasn't picked up and why this is the case that we face today. Um, I might have missed at the beginning of the presentation, you said the department does not need to report, for example, um, you know, the NPA and the, to, you know, that the other agencies like the NPA, et cetera, can report themselves, you don't report for them. But I mean, with so many children, so many school-going children who are pregnant, you know, and we can consider it rape of minors, um, and that mustn't be reported. I think the department should demand reports from um, the other agencies or DBE, especially in terms of rape of children. And in terms of the intermediaries, um, I saw that on one of your slides, there's a decrease, you've noted a decrease, and there are different reasons for the decrease, COVID available, um, ill health, uh, that's understandable. I would like to know what is being done about the situation uh, to implement this uh, regulation and to ensure that intermediaries are available. And uh, just a moment. Um, I'll leave it at that. Um, there's just one thing that I would like to say. In terms of sign language interpreters, it's always a sensitive and a thorny matter. And I would like to plead with the department to continue working with the organizations of disabled people um, to make sure that the interpreters are there in court, that those interpreters are the right fit for the victim and for the job at hand, um, especially in terms of sign language. It's not always easy to communicate uh, and to, you know, to bring forth such matters as, you know, as a sexual attack or violence. So um, the, vi the language uh, use must be, you know, the interpreter must be at such a competent level that the victim is comfortable um, in, in expressing themselves. And yes, they, you know, the social workers and social exterior workers that are available who are, who can, um, you know, who, who can assist in interpreting, they're not just out of nowhere. They've been trained and have experience for many years. Um, and they will assist especially with the deaf people who did not go to school or who don't, you know, who've been isolated from the community. Um, and that will be very important for those victims. Thank you very much.
Thank you, Honorable Yako. Um, Chair, I think if, if a person would listen to um, Ms. Kambula's uh, presentation of this report, you'd honestly think that it's all sunshine and roses um, and everything is working according to um, plan in the department. And had we not gone to oversight and had we not seen for ourselves what the situation is at the courts, we'd honestly be believing that things are as they are, you know, that what we pass as laws translates to um, reality in terms of the functioning of the Department of, of Justice. Um, and I'll make an example. Um, we, we, we said on one of the slides that we have high cases of sexual crimes that are perpetuated, especially in the Western Cape. But when we went to the Western Cape, and we saw how the court system works there and how infrastructure it's not practical to do anything for either the magistrates or the judges or the prosecutors, nothing can be done. Can we honestly sit here and say that we are giving capacity to courts to do the work that they are supposed to do infrastructurally, never mind the police system leading up to that phrase. And then on slide 14, Ms. Kamula spoke about a very good story of DNA reports that have been um, successful and we acknowledge that. However, can we honestly say that in every rape case, we do a proper rape kit for a victim that's been violated sexually and that that report does not disappear along the system leading up to prosecution and which is hampering um, and, and which is emboldening um, perpetrators, uh, perpetrators, rapists, um, of sexual violence to actually do more crimes because they know they will get away with it. Um, so for me, what I saw personally with my own two eyes of the Department of Justice does not translate to this report. And I would want and wish that when uh, officials come and do a report to the committee, they are as truthful as possible. We're not saying that these numbers are false. However, it needs to depict the reality of the situation because if I am a victim of crime, especially sexual crime, I need to know that I'm safe. I need to know that my word is heard and I need to know that it will be um, expediated uh, very quickly. However, it does not seem that our courts have the capacity, neither do they have the infrastructure to do the work that they're supposed to do. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Yako. Uh, Honorable Swart. Thank you, Acting Chair, and thank you to the Department for the updated report. I have a number of issues which I would like to raise. First, I do want to appreciate the report, but I, I definitely, Chair, don't believe we've got the full picture of the devastating impact of sexual offences. And whilst the Department and the other entities represented here are doing their best, I think there are massive issues which I would like to raise. First of which is the issue of underreporting. And I'd like to ask the department, it is estimated by various research that only a third of sexual offences are reported, which would then indicate that the statistics should be much, much higher. So I'd like the, the department to comment on that. And various reports state that there are a number of reasons why there is underreporting. And I'm going to just enunciate some of my research so that we can just comment on this and maybe come back to us as to how to address this very important issue of underreporting. Firstly, 
It's reported it's a lack of confidence in the system, in particularly the police and the courts. Secondly, the fear of intimidation by the abuser, the offender themselves. Thirdly, the fear of not being believed. Fourthly, the desire to be, to be stigmatized as being associated with rape. Fifthly, the fearing of secondary victimization. Now, the department has done good work in this regard, but I'm, I'm concerned when we see the figures for court intermediaries are down. And we understand that, but that is a massive issue when it comes to underreporting. And then, of course, another issue that has been raised in research is the challenge of accessing police stations, which are situated far away, particularly in rural areas. And then the treatment by the policemen. Obviously, we've got in the urban areas, we've got the victim support rooms and that which are very commendable. But these are some of the issues. And yes, I appreciate the basket of support services, which the department has mentioned, but we're still having this very high level of underreporting. And I would think that aligned to that is what the advocate uh, also indicated was that a lot of these um, sexual offenses, rape, take place in the family environment. And I think that adds to the, um, the issue of underreporting um, the impact on, on the family. So I'd like some commenting on that. The second issue, which um, was raised by President Ramaphosa in the State of the Nation report, was the reduction in the number of outstanding DNA uh, reports. Commendably, it was at 210,000, which in itself in April 2021 was disgraceful. The President said it's now 58,000. The figure given to us today is 31,377, which is still high, but we are thankful that what the department indicated that as a result of the testing of cold cases, a number of, I, I can't believe this figure, 314 potential serial rapists have been identified. Yes, on the one hand, that is good. But secondly, had these tests been done years ago, those serial rapists would have been prevented from being serial rapists. We would have picked them up immediately. So it's a double-edged sword there. But I want to ask specifically, do we know when that 31,000 will be reduced? That's another area that I would like to raise. And then lastly, Chair, with your permission, I'd like to comment on and ask the department, I think the very important slide, and maybe it's just a word of advice for future. Clearly, when you've got limited time for your presentation, you want to focus on the challenges that you're facing. And that's your second last slide. And I think that slide, we need to engage with the department. And because here we've got a number of issues which are very, very critical for us, chairperson, from our oversight function. One of the challenges highlighted on, on slide 36 is 85 faulty sexual offences systems. Now, the members have indicated on the oversight they picked up faulty systems. But here we've got 80 faulty systems due to expired tender to provide maintenance and support. And it was seen on the ground here, 85. How can that be? How can that be possible that the department allows that to happen and we need to monitor that? Secondly, the issue related to SAPs, challenges in delivering capacity, building sessions, the need for more forensic science labs to address the backlog. These are ongoing issues. The NPA challenges there due to repeated court closures. Now we hope, 
chairperson is the last comment that we've learned lessons from the hard lockdown and the impact that it has had on the criminal justice system on the dramatic increase in sexual offenses that this lesson has been learned going forward so chairperson with those uh, brief comments i'll leave it at that and allow other members to engage thank you so much thank you very much honorable swart honorable Hon. yes thank you acting chair um uh, I want to to um, align myself with the, the comments by other members to the point that it would seem from the presentation that the full picture is not shared with, with this committee. And in that regard, I would firstly want to ask the question about how we must go about the difference in figures around newly enrolled sexual offences between slide 10 and slide 12 where on in slide 10 on slide 10 uh, the department uh, gives a specific figure uh, new re new registered sex crimes in courts uh, 7,419 in 2019-20 year and then 13,558 in the 2020-2021 year but then if we turn to the bottom of slide 12, uh, Legal Aid South Africa has taken ownership of the defense of in excess of 20,000 new sexual offenses cases in both those years. And that is a, a marked difference. Um, I think that must be clarified. Who are we then to believe about the numbers enrolled if we ex accept that Legal Aid South Africa are not even assisting all of the accused in, in, in sex crimes. Then, Chair, in respect of the DNA reports, um, yeah, this, this is one of those difficult situations where we, of course, must be appreciative of those reports finalized, but that can't, can't mean that it is an, an uh, un, uh, uncritical uh, applause in the sense that, uh, firstly, we must uh, remind ourselves that it is it is absolutely unacceptable that we came to a situation where in excess of 30,000 DNA investigations had to be ring-fenced and then prioritized. Um, and then given the fact that this is historical, outstanding DNA reports, then we must ask uh, given the fact that only about 20% have been finalized, what is then the status of those still in process? What is the time frames by when we can accept that all will be finalized? And then given the, 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 the information or the arguments offered by some speakers in the debate yesterday, we must also ask, what is in the figure of, of uh, let's say, DNA... Uh, samples that has been uh, uh, filed after the, the, the ring fencing of, of this cohort on, on which is reported. So if I understood the arguments yesterday, uh, the, the problem is nowhere near being solved in the sense that a vast amount of new DNA re uh, uh, requests have been filed 
after this historical backlog has been ring-fenced. And as a matter of fact, because the historical backlog is being attended to, and it should be attended to, the difficulty is that nothing that is in hand or current are at the moment being attended to. And, and so we must ask what if that is indeed the case, and if that is the case, what is then the, the, the plan of action to ultimately get to a situation where DNA is not something that we all know will take years on end to be processed. Um, and then lastly, Chair, also in respect of the incompleteness of this report, I, I mean, it is not good enough that we, we have the first portion of the report largely dealing with, with sexual offences, and then very, very um, interestingly, the, the, the next moment, the, the, the report is about the reduction in the backlog of GBVF cases. <laughs> whilst we're not afforded any information as to the, the status of the role and the backlog role in respect of sexual offences. So uh, in that sense, uh, it is something we must frown upon, be unhappy about as a committee, and we, we must insist that we also get that information from the department. Thank you, Acting Chair. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Hon. Um, Honorable Maseko Jele. Thank you very much, Chairperson. And good morning to the colleagues and the department. Uh, Chairperson, I only have, I think there are five questions uh, that I have for Umamu Kambole and the team. Uh, let us just say, Lord, Chairperson, uh, uh, we we note the report, and I think I have the same feeling as my colleague that I just feel like it is still not incomplete, and I will appreciate that uh, next time when the the, the department come uh, uh, with another presentation. At least we are also <clears throat> giving more details, particularly uh, on the issue where they are saying they are still going to draft a framework for the management of AMA backlogs. Uh, I, I thought that maybe they, they would be coming today and tell us how are they going to deal with them in details. But now, because they are saying in their presentation that they are still going to 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 work on oh, on that draft, I think it, it's not uh, to us. It's not sitting well. Chair, uh, <clears throat> would like to see that coming to us very soon uh, to be able to deal with that matter. Chair, and also that draft it must come with the time frames, the the timelines telling us they are doing this within this period, and they will be done with whatever amount. Because if they are putting it like this, it, it does not say anything. It does not even give commitment uh, from their side. Uh, coming to the second one, Chair, is on the issue of the National Te Technical Intersectional Committee that is chaired by the DG. I think, uh, Chair, we must note that uh, uh, when we were going to, we were, when we were visiting, uh, during our oversight a uh, uh, few days ago. One other thing that we have noted, it is uh, the officials, some of the officials who are not committed in attending meetings. 
uh, and and these meetings are very much important. And if uh, the officials do, do not attend the meetings where these plans are being tabled and uh, also making commitment when it comes to implementation, I just want to find out to the DG, what is the plan that they have in making sure that these team members uh, that will be part of this technical uh, uh, intersectional committee that will be sharing. <clears throat> I want to find out what is going to happen if it seems and there are complaints that they are the ones who are hampering progress on this on, on, on this matter of implementation. Because Chair, we have noted that committees, there are so many committees that are established, but these committees at some point uh, they become a hindrance in the progress uh, on such matters. This is a very important matter, and then we want to see it uh, happening as of yesterday, seeing progress. We, I want to know about, because we need willingness, chairperson, and commitment uh, from all these people who would be involved in this. I, I think women don't have any patient anymore on this issue, Chairperson. So I want to understand from the DG, do, you, do they have any consequences, uh, management plan when it comes to making sure that people own up to their, pro, uh, their promises and deliverance of, of issues? And my issue, it, it's even more when it comes to uh, uh, other members who are not even part of the department because I, I believe this committee consists of other departments. So I want to know, is there any plan to make sure that uh, things will be monitored and there will be progress uh, when it comes to the, 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 the deliverables? And then on the issue of of, of uh, the sexual offence courts. Uh, some of the uh, 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 courts that we have visited, particularly in Pumalanga, Chairperson, one thing that we have noted in 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 the machines that the my colleague uh, Honourable Ngola was talking about, it's even happening in Houting, Che. It is worse, Chairperson. It, it I, I think it's, it's it's an issue that needs attention. Very seriously so. Uh, the rooms, friendly rooms that they are talking about, Chairperson, they are, some of them are really not friendly as they should be. Because the ones that we saw in Pomalanga were very small rooms. Even the children themselves are not able to stretch themselves in those rooms. So I'm not sure about older people, the women, older, older women, uh, a chairperson. So I think we, we must make sure that when we talk about uh, infrastructure for these sexual offenses uh, uh, course, we're talking about uh, 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 spaces which shows distances, which shows, shows that we are serious in making sure that 
taking a, 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 this matter serious uh, without chairperson uh, doing things for the sake of doing. Those uh, uh, rooms, they should be capacitated. They should be given. They should be given the 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 the, 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 the finisher or the space that is needed. It shouldn't be a small room. People can they don't even have e, 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 what is it the the the, the aircons. So I think the DG and the department, Mr. Ms. Kambula, true you chairperson, they must revisit. And they, there should be a standard. It shouldn't be that when you go to Haute, they are little, they are much better. But when you go to Pomalanga, when you go to other areas, far areas, you find something that that is not a, a satisfactory chairperson. Uh, on the issue of uh, prevention, chair, which is the the, the 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 first the second before the last uh, on the issue of pre- prevention i just want to find out what what is the department uh, going to do in assisting the families particularly of of those va- rape victims or the families because mamukambule um, mentioned that most of the rape happens in the families by the people that are known to the victims. What is the program in making sure that you educate and you support families for the sake of prevention? Because if we don't have a program that goes to the families, it is, and, and now we want to prevent this at the stage where it, is, it has happened. I don't see us winning this one, chain Because she also mentioned the issue of resuscitating, the resuscitation of good values and all that. Family, good uh, family values and, and, and values also in the community as in general. So I want to know the plans. You know, chair, I, 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 I wished that this presentation uh, when I was thinking of we are going to be giving a, pre- a presentation in terms of the implementation of uh, 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 these bills, I thought that maybe we're going to have, you know, a presentation, just a bulletin that says on this area we'll do one, two, three, and this is our plan. We'll do one, two, three on this one, and this is our plan. Uh, I think next time I would be very much happy Chair, to get that because if we have a presentation of this high level, even the, the women, ordinary women, cannot, uh, 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 like Chairperson, like, uh, relate to this presentation. Because it's for me, somebody who went to school, but my mother or my sister who's there who did not go to school don't understand this thing. So my plea is that, can we have something where we say we are not we now we know about the technical committee we know about this but tell me on the backlog this is what is going to happen and on 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 victims this is what is going to on prevention this is what is going to happen if i can have that lastly chair it is on the issue of uh, the department of women on uh, women empowerment uh, programs uh, i think this matter cannot only be left on the department of women 
We get women everywhere. In our plans in the department, we need to get a feel that even here in this department, we, we do have programs that assist women, empower women, even the women uh, advocates, women lawyers, they have a problem themselves, Chair. I think when we were, we were all listening also to the interview, when, when, when Judge Maya was, Judge President Maya was, was telling us that some, they don't even have that sexual uh, 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 policies, harassment policies, Chair. Even if maybe I, I'm just saying in a lighter note, but they have said they've got something later. But if they, they are, those issues are not addressed within the department, we are doing things for others. Let's start home, here home, and get programs that empower women within the department. And those problems must link with the Department of Women. And I would like to see, lastly, Chairperson, the plan where both those two departments, our department and the Department of Women, actualizing their programs or the programs that is within the, 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 the Department of Women talking to what we are talking about today and where they are working together in making sure that there is progress and implementation of that which we have already done. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Jale. Honorable Breitenbach, hola. Uh, hola, hola, how are you? Good, good, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, uh, I took my hand down because um, I have been more than covered by my colleagues. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, DG and your team. Can we have uh, uh, concise uh, responses to the issues that have been raised by all the members? You certainly have been taking notes on all of these issues. Um, I think uh, let's get back to you. And I will allow the members, if they are going to be critical follow-ups based on your responses as a quick thing before we wrap up. Honorable, I mean, DG. Is the DG with us? He has just joined, Chair. I think he was kicked out of the meeting. Yes, DG. Can you hear us now? So he gets kicked out when he's supposed to respond. Can in the meantime, somebody from the department respond, uh, Ms. Ngambule? Uh, and I want uh, concise responses. Thank you, Chair. The first is to, we, we welcome the questions. But then I would like just to move from this premise that the presentation that we are making right now 
is for the performance of a number of departments that are in the initial slides. So it's not only about the Department of Justice. The reason that it is made, the presentation is made by the Department of Justice, it is because of the fact that the Act um, places a responsibility on our minister to table the reports that have been uh, submitted uh, to him by the different uh, ministers. So we have then a team of the different stakeholders who are here. We will then be taking the questions that relate to their performance. And, and also just to put an emphasis that it is not about the three bills that uh, the three amendment acts that have been um, 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 that have the three bills that have been promulgated. So I would request then the team um, to take their questions and then thereafter I will be responding to the questions of the department. Over to you colleagues. Let me start with the NPA. We'll request the NPA to respond to the questions, particularly the ones that relate to the DNA and also the issues that relate then to the TCCs and, uh, and, uh, and the witnesses. Advocate Pia Smith. Good morning, Sorry. Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members. This is Advocate Pia Smith. Actually, my colleague, Advocate Bonnie Karigamu, is also online. I can deal with some of the questions that were obviously involving the NPA in relation to Honorable Neville Drachen's um, request or question rather on slide 12 of the TCCs. The 73% as indicated is actually, it's a typo that could have also been reflected as a dash. So the conviction rate for the TCCs in that period was actually 73.9% as reflected in our report submitted to DOJ. So at least it wasn't a minus 73%. So Thank you in that regard. In relation to the questions on DNA, um, obviously as reflected in the report by my colleague, um, Advocate Kambula, the DNA is a joint initiative between the NPA and FSL SAPS. So in relation to the process of the DNA being analyzed and finalized, I would suggest that SAPS FSL would be in the best position to answer that question. In relation to uh, um, Honorable Mr. Swart that had the question of the 314 potential serial rapists, that is a process that we did purely by identifying on the reports that we received from FSL at head office here at the NPA, after which we channel it to the different DPPs so that they are aware of the fact that we've identified in the reports potential serial rapists in order for those cases to be um, uh, sort of like pulled together, but more so if it's cross-divisional, then the process of centralization in line with the Criminal Procedure Act 
needs to kick in, which needs to be implemented. So for that reason, we informed our colleagues that those cases can be prioritized accordingly. And it just needs to be stated that with commencement of that exercise as from October last year in 2021. So from 2021 till the end of 28 January this year, which is outside of the reporting period, but is to show to the honorable members the progress that we've done in this regard in relation to the finalization of these reports. What I can also state is what also will put this into perspective, that this initiative was implemented as from October 2020. So by the end of this reporting period that we are talking about, end of March, we finalized 444 reports that we received from NPA, from FSL. So after that, there was a considerable increase in the finalization of reports which were channeled to us and then channeled to the DPP officers and prosecutors to absolutely ensure that those cases receive the necessary prioritization in the court system as well. Um, in addition to um, um, the DNA that I think this is an ongoing process in relation to other questions that might have popped up out of that, and we are in the process of focusing on that to ensure that these cases receive top priority in the court system as well. Um, I hope that I've covered all the questions in relation to DNA that I can answer possibly from the NPA side. Thank you, Honourable Chair and Honourable Members. Thank you. Who's next? Can I now get uh, the response from DSD, uh, particularly in connection with um, the um, what are the initiatives that the department is doing so as to reach out to the families? Thank you, Chair, and thank you, Honorable Members. Um, as the Department of Social Development, we do contribute to a number of uh, prevention uh, programs or initiatives uh, in working with families and communities at large. The first one that we do, we do education and awareness campaigns using the radio platforms to reach out to families and communities. And we are dealing with the issues of gender-based violence and um, femicide. The second platform that we use, we organize a community dialogues where we go to, um, we looked at about 30 hotspot areas. We have um, a train and deploy volunteers that are going on a daily basis to those 30 hotspot uh, communities and they conduct community dialogues on behalf of the sector. And they are also picking up issues of referrals. They do refer <coughs> communities to services. The third uh, intervention that we do together with civil society, we also roll out parenting programs. We've got a, a different parenting programs that, we, that focuses on issues of gender-based violence. So with civil society, we do roll out uh, those uh, parenting programs in those specific uh, communities that are affected by issues of gender-based violence. Thank you. Are you done, Ms. Ndambole? No, thank you, Chair. I almost got lost the connection. And now um, I would like then um, 
the Department of Basic Education to respond to the interventions that they have made to reduce uh, the teen pregnancies. In, in all of what you're doing, they are responding to the specific questions that have been asked here. Am I correct? Yes, yes, yes Chairperson. Department of Basic Education. All right, then I think that I'm not sure as to whether they have because they promised to come. Let me just uh, to respond to the questions that relate then to uh, the Department of Justice. As I have said that it is a multi-sectoral implementation of the legislation. So it doesn't take the department only to ensure that then we put down the incidence of sexual violence. So first then with the issue, I will start then with the banning issue of the SOS. As you will see it there, it is reflected um, on the slide that relates okay, to the challenges. We highlighted it there as a challenge to say that then 85 um, sexual offences um, assistance um, got broken. And this 85, I would like just to say that it is 85 that is um, an accumulate, is the are the faulty SOS that have accumulated from the time that is 2020 up from the time that the contract expired. So the question is, uh, why has the contract, um, why as a department, we did not um, um, uh, uh, renew the contract before time? So this is the question then I will give it to Mr. Malema to respond to. Mr. Malema. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, may, may I proceed? Uh, Chair, can I attempt to answer a few of the questions that we've picked up. I got from uh, the DG that uh, it has been made all of us. We've been experiencing, but we've noticed. Uh, I'll start off first with really happened to previous service contractors, uh, contract expired, and we started the process to point a new service provider on time. And we're experiencing the supply chain processes uh, uh, you know, we we discovered like at the end of the process that the the bidders did not qualify. We started the whole process again, and we had another problem. Uh, Chairperson, can you hear me now? It's better now, but you're breaking up a lot. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I was saying that that's part of the problem with which we were also making. But I was saying the DG then took the decision to get the exemption from Treasury to then appoint a service provider uh, as a, at the beginning of the of the year in January for for two months. Uh, but we've, we've we've subsequently got a further extension uh, for twelve months to actually cover all the courts. 
so um, as soon as we we've, we've, we've issued out the the circular during the course of this week, uh, the courts will then have access for maintenance of both the CRT machines, which are the court recording technology. It's meant for recording the proceedings as well as the sexual offences. So uh, uh, we regret to inform uh, the committee of what happened, but uh, we are now uh, having the system back uh, in, uh, in, 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 in circulation that we have appointed. Uh, when it comes to this very mindful of this matter, uh, we continue to work with uh, service providers, uh, accredited service providers, so that we appoint uh, competent people uh, when it comes to the proceedings in the courts. So we keep databases uh, per province. Uh, some courts have databases that are specifically for the courts, but we tend to share uh, across uh, the courts, across the provinces, so that uh, where, as and when people with uh, disabilities require services, we are able to, to assist them. Uh, on the poor state of facilities, uh, uh, chairperson and members, uh, we we accept that uh, some of the facilities uh, in our courts are really uh, not up to scratch, especially for sexual offences. And we'll appreciate that uh, this problem is created by the fact that uh, we had to adapt uh, existing uh, court buildings uh, to be modified to suit, uh, you know, the new legislation. And in, in many of these courts, you'll find that they were actually not designed to have sexual offences. Uh, so we've really tried to do uh, our best in terms of doing the, the necessary modifications. But really, in some of the courts, it's very difficult to actually comply with the regulations by having all, all the things that are detailed because the facility itself amenable to to modification because it was not paid for that. But when you look at them, able to, to comply because uh, for court was actually... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll move over to another aspect relating to intermediaries in the, in the department. Uh, uh, indeed, uh, your observation and uh, our I don't know where it's, it's just frustrating. We do not have sufficient. Uh, it's breaking up all the time. Intermediaries is correct. Uh, Malema. Uh, I know specifically in how. Mr. Malema. Uh, we've been. He can't even hear me. Mr. Malema. With can we just stop Mr. Malema? We can't proceed like this. You, please pause there. It doesn't help us in any way for you to continue speaking because... You're just breaking up all the time. Ms. Ngambule, can you just summarize everything else so that I, I come to a close? I see Marty van Eden. I don't know which department she represents. 
Marty You've had your hand up for a long time. Like, oh, okay. I think we have a problem here today, uh, colleagues. Ms. Ngambole? Chairperson, I was taken out of the meeting. I am back now. You were not taken out. Like the problem is justice in, in, in the way your system works. It's making it very difficult for us to, to follow you. Um, at least you have been better than others, but now you yourself, is, the same thing is happening. It seems that uh, the cyber attack thing has not, has not uh, left you, it's still with you. So you can imagine all of the courts and everything else under you would have this kind of problems that we're having, just connecting with you. It's, it's making it difficult for us to, to follow how you respond to these issues. And I don't know, colleagues, uh, what you feel, because I think uh, it would not make sense to just continue when we're not uh, in a position to, to understand what, uh, whether the, the department is responding to the issues we have raised. Brigadier Mwabe, before I, go, I give the members, what, what do you want to say? Uh, thank you very much, Chair. I'm from the South African Police Service. Uh, I'm the acting component head of FCS. There are questions regarding DNA that I want to refer to very quickly. Yeah, I think the questions were asked by uh, Ms., uh, the Honorable Swart, I think, uh, the Honorable Horn, and uh, uh, the Honorable Jelly as well. The one was the availability of rape kits, right, and the continuity of possession and whether documents get lost, right. As it stands, we don't have a problem in the police with the availability of rape kits. That's number one. And number two, we have the system that has, has been put in place in the police to make sure that we monitor each and every province. At any given time, they can tell us how many do they have at a certain province. So we don't have a problem with that. And then number two, the one of the uh, whether documents get missing. Uh, we don't have a big problem now because everything is di digitized from the time that a rape kit is being used, is on the system until it gets to the forensic science laboratory. So there is no need for paperwork. So in other words, once they've finished testing at the forensic science laboratory, there's no need for you to go to forensic la science laboratory to check because the system will tell you at any at any unit at FCS that that rape kit uh, the result is ready. So we don't have a problem with the losing uh, with the losing of, of of document. There was one question. Uh, I think it was also asked by the Honourable Horn whether we need additional FSL. As it stands, no, because the issues of shortage of personnel, especially the analysts, was addressed at the beginning, at the 2020-2021 financial year. That's why we're able to deal with the bedlock, right? But Honorable uh, Chair, um, if I can just explain just a little bit on the bedlock uh, and the ring fencing, because it seems 
we nearly not in line with what our understanding is. The bedlock that was ring fence was dealt with separately from that 220 going down, right? But we did not stop attending to the new ones, right? Because it would, it would have created a problem that we deal with the bedlock. By the time we finish with the bedlock, we have another bedlock. So the one of the uh, of the new that, that we, 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 uh, the DNA is that we, we're still receiving attention, while that one uh, the bedlock that was ring fence was dealt with at the same time because of the capacity. Because among the issues that led to the bedlock was what they call the consumables, which has now been dealt with, finalized, right? So with the current members that we have. They are sufficient that we can push and finalize the outstanding bedlock, right? In the meeting that we have uh, uh, with, uh, with Forensic Science Laboratory, I think the last one was around about December, they are telling us that the bedlock, before the end, before May, the bedlock would have been finalized. In other words, we'll be dealing with a new one, right? And then I think the last one was regarding the issue of prevention on GBV and sexual offenses, right? The Department of Women, Children, and People with Disability, we're sitting on the same committees with them, even when we're dealing with the issue of the National Strategic Plan on GBV. We're sitting with them. We have meetings. In other words, when we, uh, we drew the National Strategic Plan on GBV, we were with them. We were with them. On several occasions, we meet with them. We deal with these issues. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I'm Advocate Lambley or Vilma Lambley from Legal Aid South Africa. There was a question between the difference of the stats on slide 10 and slide 12. I think it was from the Honourable Swap. I would just like to clarify and um, reiterate that Advocate Kambule said the, the presentation from some back, back feedback. The presentation. Okay. The presentation today that you see is made up from reports from different departments. Different departments measure different aspects, um, and that stats does not necessarily speak to each other. On slide 10, I'm not sure, quite sure, it does look to me like it is SAP's uh, stats. What, what SAP stats or, or what stats is referred to there is crime, sex crimes registered at court. So I'm not quite sure how that reporting work. However, what I can say from legal aid side is what we must remember is that we count cases or people that we represent. So if there's one case with multiple accused, we will, we will count each client that we are helping. And that could explain the difference. Furthermore, we count how people approach legal aid. So a person might have been on a, a, a privately represented, ran out of money, 
But if he or she then approaches legal aid in the financial year 2020-2021, we will count it as a new case for us because we've granted legal aid in that year. And that is why the stats of legal aid will always look different from, from, for instance, registered sex crimes at court because we're not talking about the registered sex crime. We are talking about new persons that we are representing at court. This could even be a person that's gone through the process uh, being represented by a private practitioner or by themselves and then apply for legal aid on appeal in a sexual offences matter. And as I say that we have, what we are seeing specifically in our big, big centres is that there are multiple accused um, in, in, in uh, these type of offences and then that we will count each person that we are representing in these cases. I hope this clarifies. Okay, thank you very much. Can I just check with honorable members if you have got any urgent follow-up or a suggestion about what you have just heard in terms of us going forward? Honorable Swart and then followed by Valma. Okay, um, I'm sorry, I didn't hear everything. I'm not sure to what degree the issue was covered of under-reporting to SAPs in particular. Um, whether they, whether we could get a response about that. I'm, I'm sure they are aware of it. The estimation that only one-third of sexual assaults are reported and what, as a collective, can be done to address that. Thank you. Parama? Um, thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, there was a question to Department of Correctional Services. I'm not sure if they're on the platform. Uh, perhaps we'll keep it for when they come next. Um, and then I'm not sure who deals with this issue of, of the forensic social workers. Um, I have in front of me the, the number of FCS you know, the family violence centers versus the number of forensic uh, versus the number of forensic social workers. And there's a high number of centers, which is good, but a very low number of the social workers. So for example, on the Western Cape, we have 257 um, family care centers, but only 20 forensic social workers. So I would like to know um, this low number of forensic social workers, how does that impact on um, the burden of the workers and the, you know, the work that they, they need to do, the, the staff members? And is it possible to have more forensic social workers so that there is a, a balance, um, a kind of balance with the, with the centres? Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Jale. Yeah, thank you, Chairperson. I think I still did not get the issue of uh, on the issue of the draft of its uh, framework for management of bedlocks because now we're going to hear from each department. So we need to hear get that plan, Chairperson, very soon. That is the one. And then the second one is the issue of the consequence management on the issue of. Uh, progress on this issue since 
they are different departments. How are they going to handle that? Because it has to be, I don't know, it's very, for me, I don't know how they are going to manage it, but I want to hear about it so that we know who to, where to go to when something is not done. Thank you, Chair. All right, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Jale. Um, I want to ask the department, but we have a problem with the leading department, the coordinating department justice in terms of responding. They seem to be in a hole uh, and not being able to, to assist. Uh, I hope they are in. Um, Ms. Ngambule and your team, can you respond to those follow-ups? I'm in chair. My profuse apologies with the network as well. Okay. I will I will follow after DG chairperson. Thank you. No, no, uh, advocate, you can proceed, please. Thank you, DJ. I would like just to respond. That is in addition to uh, the response that has already been given to the question that was raised by Honorable Swart. And that related to the under-reporting um, of sexual offences. This is a global problem, under-reporting. And all the reasons that um, he mentioned are the reasons that we are all aware of. And when we were developing the regulations relating to sexual offences courts, those were the matters that were considered. When we were building then, you know, the 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 catalog of the support services that we need to provide the victims so as to encourage the reporting and to ensure that when they come into the system, they experience that care, that privacy, they don't testify in front of the, uh, in, the in, in the direct presence of the perpetrator um, and, and, and also children are offered the services of the intermediary services and so on. So it is meant to do that so as to increase the confidence of the victims in the system. And I would also like just to say to the committee that the, 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 the concept of the sexual offences courts is homegrown. It is a concept that other countries now are learning from it. There's also another country that will be coming to learn about this, this uh, the, the, the concept of the sexual offences court and all the models and the support services that we are providing. So, but but it is it is just a matter of um, us then as 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 the different departments to ensure that we clean up within the referral system so as to ensure that when the victim gets to the police station obtains those support services and as we know that the subs then has introduced these victim friendly rooms so as to to have that encapsulation of the of the support services that are offered so as to retain the victim in the system at all the service points up to the stage that the victim comes to court. So we still experience then the early exit of the victims because of the fact that we have those different um, different um, service points that we need them to clean up. And it's a matter that, um, because it is also an indicator that is in the NSP. So we are intending then to ensure that we we have all those support services 
offered at every service point so as to increase then the confidence of the victims in the system. And as you will see there from the report that we have presented is that uh, during this COVID, the first COVID financial year, we had an increase of 78% cases that get registered at our courts. So meaning what? That a lot of, a lot of, a lot of sex offenders were apprehended during this time. And when there is an apprehension of a sex offender, it means that there was a report that was made by the victim. So this is just one of the issues. What I'm saying is that we are not yet up there, but we are doing those efforts to ensure that then every 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 case of sex violence is reported. And, um, and the other thing that we have noted, whilst I am still dealing with this one, is that um, it is the issues of loyalty to the perpetrator, the fear of, of being excluded from um, the financial benefits and so on. Because many of the sexual offences in South Africa occur in domestic relationships. So some then do not report because they are scared of going out. And what we have done as a department is to introduce what we are calling the safety plan, safety plan for the victims of domestic violence, so as to ensure then that um, they plan their exit because we don't have a law yet in South Africa that forces them to go and report as it is in Canada and other countries. So with us here, a victim has to make a decision as to whether I want to go and report or not to report. But so as to stop then the incidence of femicide in our country, the, 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 the safety plan then helps them to plan their exit. To, to decide as to who should I be reporting to, who are going to be my rescue persons. If the violence occurs in my house, what's going to be my exit route and, and end? So, but these are the issues that we, are, we have introduced so as to ensure that then the victims then do the reporting. And the other that I would like to say, which is a document that has been produced by all the stakeholders that are reporting here, we put together the risk assessment tool. And the risk assessment tool then, it is, uh, it is intended to make the victim open the eyes of the victim so that you can see the risk factors because some of them, they go to police to report and then they, they, they disappear from the system. So the risk assessment tool, then it asks them 10 questions that will make them to, to see the value for them to be retained in the system. Ms. Gambole, I'm dealing with follow-ups that are very specific now. Please respond to the specific follow-ups. Okay. The other one then, uh, the other question then, it is about, um, it's because I was, I was also kicked out of the, of the meeting uh, chairperson. So I might not be knowing then the questions that you are relating to. Thank you. So if you don't know, then please don't respond generally. So maybe give to the DG to, to respond.
there, there are some, I, I think the, the part that she covered is some of what I, 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 I could hear from this side. Uh, I think some of my colleagues are here, the acting DDG for court services, Mr. Malema. If Mr. Malema, you're able to deal with the other questions. Mr. Malema has a bad connection. I've stopped him from responding because we can't follow him. Uh, Mr. Smith, where, where are you from the department as well? Uh, good afternoon, or still good morning, Honorable Chair. I spoke earlier on. I'm from the NPA. I would just like to assist in relation to the question of Honorable Member Swat in relation to the underreporting. It is indeed correct that there is a massive concern in relation to the underreporting of GBV matters, which we've also picked up at our Tutuzela Care Centers. Hence, we specifically target throughout the year public awareness campaigns to be committed and specifically focused on the issues and challenges in relation to underreporting to convince people to come forward and report. Therefore, we've also noted when we do the 16 days of violence against women and children campaign public awareness that usually in a Q3 period, which is the October, November, December period, we would have an increase of between 20 to 25% in relation to matters. So for us at the DCCs, we've got a constructive program to specifically focus on underreporting in our public awareness campaigns. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much. Um, any last words, DG, that you want to, to raise? Uh, Honorable Valma, is that thank a, you, thank, thank you very much. Hold on, DG. Honorable Valma, is that a, another follow-up? Because I just want us to, to wrap this up and find a process of a way forward. Um, might not be helpful to go on it's like this. Not, it's not Valma? a follow-up, Chair. Um, it's just a request to the committee, if I may. Yes. Thank you, Chair. I just want to say that gender-based violence and femicide is a very, very serious crime. And it's for the past two years, it's been increasing. I want to request the ministers or deputy ministers to annually be present, especially when we discuss the implementation and the report to this act. I mean, everybody's connection is bad. I'm, you know, I know if the deputy minister was here, he would have responded immediately, but we need to have proper responses. Maybe some of the questions have not been answered yet. For example, my, my, my last question. So I want to ask that the ministers, or at least the deputy ministers, specifically when we report on these matters, that they be present in the, in the meetings. Thanks, Chair. Yeah, Thank you, Chair. I think I have the same, uh, I want to echo the same sentiment, since uh, sentiments with uh, my colleague, Honorable Verma. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Um, DG, as I give over to you, your final comments, but I think we, we're going to wrap up the meeting with an understanding, and the committee will assist us on many of the issues Firstly, from members that had made a point earlier on about um, whether this report speaks to reality on issues that they have interacted with in their own oversight and in their constituencies. And there would have been a number of questions. So there is, there is a need for a follow-up 
uh, on this session. And when we, we, we do that, Honorable Nivot and Majele suggest that uh, the Deputy Minister prioritizes a, a meeting in that regard. You on your side would also have been having a very bad network that did not help in the meeting. Um, yes, DG. Thank you very much, Chair, and thanks to the honorable members. Just maybe briefly, the two issues that I want to give an assurance on that we we are attending to and we are giving them priorities there is the backlog um, the issue um, and, and the framework that the colleagues have to finalize. That I want to assure you that by the next time that uh, when the deputy minister or minister is available to have the engagement with the portfolio committee, we should be giving progress and not a plan around it, but the progress of what we're doing. That's the one issue. But the second issue, which has a major impact here, is the court recording technology that has affected many courts and many of the cases that led to the backlog that we, we have. And that had to do with the, the problems that are associated with CETA, State Information Technology Agency, which generally has created many problems for us that whenever we we require services, new contracts and all that. We have to go through processes that sometimes are impossible. And we have to ask Treasury to assist us. And Treasury has come on board to at least assist us with a possible uh, one-year deviation to follow a route of a single source uh, for purposes of the court recording technology. And we'll immediately then be getting a sense of the number of cases that are sitting all over the country and in specific courts and will be working on it as a, as, a, as a matter of priority and hope that in a space of three to six months, we, we can can do more than 50% of, of, of those backlogs. So, so those are the two issues that I thought I should reflect here and, and say commit ourselves to attending to those specific issues, uh, particularly the back, backlogs of sexual offenses. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, honorable members, I think uh, we'll work with the secretariat and then ensure that we get all the issues that were not uh, answered in this meeting that were posed for them to be prepared and then you get all the detailed responses to those. Um, but also we'll work uh, with the department ensuring that we we get uh, a, a more concrete uh, progress on implementation uh, where they would not they would, they would go less about what their plans are what their mission is how they are put together and so on but talk to us about exactly what is happening to, are we getting value for for the money we certainly have to do that it it, it would be uh, incomplete and uh, less honest for us to think to say that we got what we wanted uh, in this meeting we've got glimpses of what we're looking for and and therefore we've got to have uh, such a follow-up to get to the bottom of all of these issues and perhaps that is also going to give us more time as members to reflect on the issues that have been put forward here uh, with that i want to ask that we we adjourn the meeting at this point Thank you, Chair. Thank you. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you, Chair.
Thank you, sir. God bless. Thank you. Remember. Bye. Thank you.